like to share a few words uh, this morning from the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi, chapter 3, um, I'd like to read a couple of verses in that book. Um, and then I, I think the theme will be apparent, what we'll consider from God's word today. And I trust it will be an encouragement, maybe just by way of reminder. But um, Malachi, chapter 3 that last book of the Old Testament. And we're going to read verse 16, 17, and 18. Beginning in chapter 3, verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Verse 16 suggests to me a theme which I think can be summed up in two simple words. God remembers. God remembers. That verse 16 said, those that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord, that is Jehovah, hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. God remembers. I think when you think about our capacity to remember certain things, our memories are not as good as they should or could be. Um, There are things in our past life, good things, let's say, and we might remember a few of the highlights of those good times or those good experiences, and uh, we might even put an extra positive spin on those so they are embellished in our mind. Uh, sometimes we have bad memories or negative memories, and those also we, we tend to forget maybe how bad they were, or we could even embellish those and make them worse than they really were. And, and memories are a funny thing because perhaps there are certain events in your life that you remember either because it was a very significant event or there was some impact uh, on your life. Uh, most people my age at least, can remember where they were when we heard that uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. Um, Even before that, when I was four or five, I I still remember the license plate uh, of an accident. My family was in an accident on what used to be Highway 17. Uh, I was only four or five. To this day, I can remember a VW bug. It was a rainy day, spinning like a top, going past us spinning. Uh, Our car was bumped. We were not seriously... Uh, impacted, uh, but my dad, after he got out and assessed the situation, he came back to the car and he told us, "Remember the license plate MTR 104," <laughs> because they were the ones that had evidently, as several of the men got out and assessed the situation, they were they were the cause of it. And I, I to this day, I remember that license plate because it was just a significant event. But even if you are someone who keeps a diary, even if you do journaling. Our memories are not perfect. They're not complete. They're not exhaustive. Uh, We can't remember 
even if we were to write something down in a book, we might read that, that account years later, and it will not have the life to it. It will not have the essence to it. Here in Malachi chapter 3, um, I think God is giving us this imagery, speaking after the manner of men, if you will. I don't know if God has a physical book or not, but the imagery is plain that, that God, though he's omniscient, there are his own that he is remembering for good. And I'd like to open up this passage just in four segments this, uh, this morning. First of all, we'll just look at a brief context uh, to see why it is that God is remembering what is happening in the midst of Malachi chapter 3 in the whole book, actually. Secondly, I'd like to look at three examples in the book of Genesis where the Bible says God remembers. What is significant about why God having to come out and say, I am remembering this, I am remembering the other thing. We'll look at three examples from the book of Genesis. Thirdly, we'll look at an an extended observation from Malachi of of who it is that God remembers and what that means to us as believers. And then we'll close with one one further thought. So first of all, this morning, the immediate context of the book of Malachi Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, is giving a very stern rebuke. He's giving a stern call to repentance, to return to the Lord. Israel had degenerated to the point of uh, skeptics, of unbelievers. Um, Israel had sunk back into some sense of formalism. They had this outward veneer of religion but their heart was far from God. Their thoughts were far from God. They were relying on on outward things, on ceremonialism, on their own personal works. And God seems to take to take to task the religious leaders of that day. And God says some things that are really quite scary. I think if you were to be included in an assembly of God's people, and this word came. God says this, the people have gone away from his ordinances. He said they had robbed God. Can you imagine that, robbing God? He said they have spoken stout words against the Lord. That's criminal, to speak against God with stout words. They weren't weren't just mumbling. They were accusing God of something. They said it was vain to serve the Lord. And the prophet said the people were tempting God. It's a litany of very significant criminal offenses against the God whom they said they loved, they obeyed, they followed. But contrasted to these, there are those who are like childlike believers. Perhaps not many wise, not many noble, not many rich, not many... Beautiful people according to the outward, but they feared the Lord. They spoke to each other about God. They thought about his name. They had that genuineness of love for the Lord, genuineness of true religion. We read that they spoke often. They spoke often one to another about the Lord. They thought about his name, his essence who he was. Now we know that God is omniscient. 
That is, God knows all things. He's speaking after the manner of men that he's going to write this book to remember his people. But we, we step back and we understand God is omniscient. And what that means is God knows all things simultaneously, essentially, infinitely. So, by way of example, right now God knows where every subatomic particle of the universe is at this very moment because he's decreed it. But, but he also knows where every one of those subatomic particles were a thousand years ago. He knows all things simultaneously, essentially, infinitely. God knows all things. And yet he's going out of his way to say, but I'm going to write this book of remembrance. And he's going to write down the names. He's going to write, now, write down the deeds of those who have childlike faith, simple trust, those who, who are genuinely walking with the Lord. We say that God knows all things. He knows the heart of every man, believer, unbeliever. The apostles prayed in Acts chapter 1. They said, Lord, as they began this prayer, thou knowest the hearts of all men. He knows the future. God knows all things. He cannot forget anything. Which again is why I think this imagery is very condescending to us because God is reinforcing the fact that he, he remembers, he cares, he knows. In Israel's day, at one time, they thought God had forgotten them. Isaiah 49, Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And there's that rhetorical answer that God gives them. He says, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should forget and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hand. God's book of remembrance, I think, for the believer is very encouraging. It's very comforting to remind us that God remembers. Well, with that brief overview of what's happening in the book of Malachi, just tremendously negative things, but there's this remnant, there's this people that, that have true religion, heart religion, the genuine, the real deal. Um, I'd like to look at three, secondly, look at three examples of where God says he remembers. And I want you to notice especially what it is that God marks out about why he's remembering them. And I think it's, it's very telling. The first one occurs with Noah. Noah. Now, I trust you know the story of Noah. Very early on, chapter 6 of Genesis, we read that man had corrupted himself. The Bible says God saw the wickedness of men, that it was great in all of the earth. And the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. And God goes through this language where he says it grieved him that he had made man. It repented him that he had made man. And he decides that he has to destroy every living creature from the face of the earth, except for Noah. Noah, who was found righteous. Noah, by the righteousness of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And so we read in verse 7, 
By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And so then Noah begins this very long journey, this chapter in his life that that takes, it seems, forever. Took him 120 years to build the ark. We have no account of God coming to him after year 10. Say, keep up the good work, Noah. 120 years building the ark. Uh, Enduring mocking and ridicule, uh, reproach, uh, people casting dispersions upon uh, Noah, upon his work, upon God himself. And then seven days before the rains came, God told Noah to come into the come into the ark. So Noah and his family is preserved in this ark for seven days. And then the Bible says God opens up the windows of heaven and the fountains of the deep were opened up. And there is this catastrophic, tremendous mark of judgment that's going to come upon all the earth. 40 days, 40 nights of storms that, that heretofore have, have never happened and we will never see this, this again. Can you imagine that the power of the water, that the hydraulics of a worldwide flood, the, the volume of water, the rapidity of how fast the water came to cover by 15 cubits, I believe, the tallest mountain, global in, in nature. Noah, in that ark, uncertainty of the new world, uncertainty of, of how, how is he going to start from scratch all over again. And then after that 40 days, then there's 150 days of, of Noah in the ark, having to take care of the animals, having to take care of his family, a trusting God, living by faith, those elements of uncertainty. So 120 years to build the ark, seven days of silence in the ark, 40 days and 40 nights of a storm that must have scared the wits out of, out of the animals, out of, out of Noah and his, his family, and then 150 days in the ark. And then we read this. And God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. So God now intersects Noah's life. And he says, I remember Noah. Now this does not mean that God had forgotten Noah. It doesn't mean that God had forgotten Noah and something happened where God then remembered Noah, like we remember something in the middle of the day that we have to take care of. What this means is God would now bring Noah to the forefront of his perfect plan, and he would change Noah's circumstances. And he would make Noah aware that God was thinking of him. All along, obviously, All along, God knew God was working with Noah. But the Bible marks out these words to to remind us 
of that special care as God, if we were to go through a trial, for example, if we were to go through some situation, God is now bringing Noah to the forefront of his perfect will, his perfect plan, and now now change or bring in new circumstances relative to Noah. And let Noah know firsthand that he was thinking of him. God remembered Noah, and so he brought a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. That is, the waters would slowly recede. There would be this measured slowdown. I I think sometimes this is how our trials end. There's not this sometimes dramatic end to it. But things recede. Things change slowly. God remembered Noah, and then in verse 2, the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were stopped up. And the rain was restrained. God remembered Noah and the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. I, I know, matter of fact, your pastor was the one who, who showed me that actually the ark rested on the very same calendar day that our Lord's resurrection occurred. And it rested upright. It was, it was birthed perfectly. It was not, I've seen pictures of Noah's Ark and it's like going to fall off a mountain. It's just kind of sideways or it's tipping over some way. God, it, it birthed just so perfectly. Mount Ararat, Ararat means the curse has been reversed. God remembered Noah in, in the midst of a worldwide catastrophic event that, that, that killed everybody except those eight souls. And as an aside, when the Bible says God remembered Noah, we can say God remembered you. Because in chapter 9, seven times he talks about the Noahic covenant. And all of us actually are descendants of Noah, are we not? And God uses language where he says, I am going to remember my covenant that is going to be between Know it, you and me, and between all living flesh and all living creatures, and the waters will no more become a flood that are going to destroy all flesh. In chapter 6, God mentions there's no way a covenant one time. But then in chapter 9, he mentions it seven times. And it's clearly a covenant that is going to affect all flesh. So why did God remember Noah? We noted that those in Malachi's day were remembered because they had childlike faith. They trusted in the Lord. They had genuine religion in their heart. I think in in Noah's case, I think we can highlight two additional um, things. Simple faith and obedience. Faith as a gift of God that God was nurturing and growing. And obedience, gospel obedience to follow the Lord. Again, in Malachi, those that feared the Lord, they talked often to one another about the Lord. But sometimes even those brethren need to go through trials and through tests. And God does remember. Isaiah 43 and verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, 
and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. So God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah for his simple faith, his obedience. And God brought Noah to the forefront of his perfect plan. Second account in the book of Genesis is Abraham. The Bible is going to say God remembered Abraham. Now you know the life of Abraham. And the question I'm going to ask you is, why would God say that he is going to remember Abraham? Is it because Abraham was called to go out into a country that he did not know? Is it because he was the father of the faithful? Is it because God worked this Abrahamic covenant with this patriarch? And the answer is no. God remembered Abraham for something else, something that you do. God remembered Abraham in the context of intercessory prayer. Simple prayer. In verse 19 and excuse me, in chapter 19 and verse 29, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. Again, I trust you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah where, where their sin was so bad, so wicked, so great that it's it, like it reached up into heaven and pulled God down to judge them. And God let Abraham know what he was going to do through that angel visitation. And Abraham is very concerned because his nephew Lot was there vexing his righteous soul. Lot slowly, I believe, by steps, joining that area. And, and again, his righteous soul was vexed. And Abraham prays this very childlike prayer, not very eloquent, repetition. Lord, if there's 50 there, if there's 45 there, 30, 20, 10, are you going to destroy the city? Abraham is interceding on behalf of his nephew, Lot. When you read through that prayer, he doesn't, it's not recorded that he actually asks directly about his nephew, Lot. He does not mention him. But, but he prays this intercessory prayer, and then he leaves the matter with the Lord. I think there's two things in this account that resonate with Malachi chapter 3. And they should resonate with you as well. After he prays this prayer, excuse me, before he prays this prayer, the men, that is the angels who had had been with Abraham, they went towards Sodom to destroy it. And the Bible says, but Abraham stood before the Lord. And so in the first case, we see that Abraham realized that the most important thing he could do was to pray. He didn't have to go with the angels to see what what they were going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't have to go with them to direct them to where Lot's house was. 
He didn't have to scheme to get in on the action. Remember, there was the other time where he armed his servants and he went uh, to, to battle. He simply saw that prayer was the most important thing he could do, and he stood before the Lord. And secondly, as a friend of God, he knew enough about God to argue the nature of God back to him. See, the doctrines of God back to him in prayer. He prayed, It is far from thee, Lord, after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And in chapter 19 again, it points out that God remembered Abraham, particularly in reference to his intercessory prayer on behalf of his nephew, Lot. God remembers your prayers. Eight years ago, today is October 3rd, 2021. Eight years ago, October 3rd was a Thursday. Can you tell me what you prayed eight years ago on that Thursday? You cannot. I would be surprised if you could. But God knows every word, every syllable, imperfect as it might have been, repetition as, as it might have been, ineloquent, childish, whatever parts of that prayer God remembers. God remembers the prayers of his saints. Revelation reminds us of that, that the prayers of the saints go up as incense before the Lord. All saints, it says in chapter 8 and verse 3, So God remembered Noah for his faith and obedience. Very simple things. God remembers Abraham for his intercessory prayer. Thirdly, God remembers the reproach. He remembers the anguish of his people. Things over which we have no control over. Um, Things we might suffer for the gospel's sake. Things that we might a suffer just being born in Adam's race. And such was the case with Rachel, Jacob's wife. Jacob loved his wife deeply, but Rachel could not have children. In chapter 30 and verse 1, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Rachel and Jacob have no control over the situation, whether Rachel can bear children or whether she can't. And in that context, Leah, Jacob's other wife, had six sons and one daughter. And so if we think that she had these seven children, one per year, for seven years, Rachel is suffering reproach and she's suffering anguish of soul. And then in chapter 30 and verse 22, we read this. And God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and he opened her womb and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. God remembered Rachel, that is, he brought her to the forefront 
of his plan. He brought her to the front of what was going to be seen openly by many others. And he was going to work with her to bring about his perfect will. He was going to change her circumstances. And he was going to make Rachel aware that God has not forgotten. God is there working now in his perfect timetable. And God was going to take away her reproach. And who does she bear? But that most eminent child of Jacob, who so wonderfully typifies the coming Savior, Jesus Christ, she bears Joseph. I'm sure Rachel had many, many tears. She had fears. She had doubts. She knew when she went to bed at night that in the morning there would be more reproach, more shame cast her way. Accusations, other things. The Bible says no one knows what's in the spirit of a man except that man himself. And Rachel alone knew the pain. You alone know the pain or the issues that are in the deepest recesses of your heart. But God remembers. And she understands with, with vivid reality what was happening, that God was now going to use her in a very significant way. I think she knew what the psalmist said when the psalmist said, Thou tellest all my wanderings and hast put my tears in a bottle. Are they not written in thy book? So here's a saint of God who, despitefully used perhaps, anguish of soul, downcast, reproach, understanding that vain is the help of man. Jacob couldn't help her. And yet all, all the, this while, God has a book of remembrance. He knows. He cares. Now, each of these three, Noah, Abraham, and Rachel, the Bible says God remembers them. And they are not doing some outward thing as they were doing in the book of Malachi, sounding a trumpet before they would give their gift before the Lord, uh, doing some outward thing in a religious sense, some ceremonial thing. In each of these accounts, God is initiating in their heart to do something that is reflecting the genuine religion in their heart, in their soul. Noah, simple faith and obedience. Yeah, he built a gigantic ark, but it was faith and obedience. Abraham, prayed. That's all he did, and God remembered him. Rachel, living this life circumstance that she has no control over. And God remembers her anguish of heart. All three of those, uh, in this category, I believe, of, of Malachi, where we understand what God is interested in is not the outward, but the inward. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. So in the third place, Let's revisit these people in Malachi's day and, and just remind ourselves of who it is that God says he is remembering, this book of remembrance. And again, he's remembering those who have this true religion. They've been born again. They have a new heart. So they are manifesting the fruits of that, that, that real religion. A, a godly lifestyle, sanctified fellowship, thinking about God. Uh, obedience, godly fear. Those that feared the Lord, those that spoke often one to another, 
They feared the Lord. They thought upon His name. Very simple things, are they not? Now, on one hand, I think you would never be able to to imagine reading about Abraham, Noah, and Rachel, and they tried to rob God. They had stout words against God. They had gone away from his ordinances. They were tempting God. There would be a disconnect. But like these in Malachi's day, you could think of Abraham and Noah and Rachel speaking often one to another about the Lord, thinking about his name, fearing the Lord with godly fear, simple things yet showing the genuineness of their faith. And this is a great, uh, God goes on to say, this is how you can discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth the Lord and him that serveth him not. This is how you can discern the, the root of the matter is there. God remembers a people not because they have some great outward profession and testimony, not because they're upstanding members of the clergy or the community, not because they give tithes and offerings, not because there's this outward show, but he remembers those who in their heart of hearts love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity and truth. They think about the Lord. They want to know how to order their life in a way that will please God. Not, not in a way of meriting righteousness, or, but because they love God and they want to follow him with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the ones God, God puts a premium on. Notice the seven actions of God about these. God hearkened to them. It means to prick up the ears so you can hear. Secondly, he heard it. That means to hear intelligently. Thirdly, he writes this book of remembrance. Fourthly, he makes this declaration. They shall be mine. Not only they shall be mine, but notice the value he puts on them. They shall be mine in the day when I make up my jewels. Sixthly, I will spare them. Seventhly, how does he spare them? I will spare them as one who has his own son who is serving him. These seven reactions of God, if I could put it that way, believe it or not, can you see yourself along with the people of Malachi's day? Where God would say those very same thing, seven things about you? We're living in a day which is not unlike Malachi's day, where religion and church and Christianity has kind of fallen off the the tracks and and people are doing what's right in their own eyes and and they're going this way, that way, and every way. Are we endeavoring, like these three, to live by faith and obedience, gospel obedience? Like Abraham, intercessory prayer. Like Rachel. Rachel. Though living in a world where shame and reproach will come upon God's people, yet and realizing that vain is, is man's help, that God, though he sometimes seems as though he is tarrying or he has forgotten about us, yet God is all the while writing in his book of remembrance. I don't know if, if the Lamb's book of life is identical with this book of remembrance. I'm, I'm inclined to think that it is. 
where God wrote your name from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, verse 8. But the saints of God, you, my dear friend, are written in this book of remembrance, written in the Lamb's book of life. And what's not written in that book are your sins, your unworthiness, your wrong motives, your iniquities, your transgressions. If God were to write a book or a ledger that had all of your transgressions, I guess it would go from here to to the end of the galaxy for each one of us. But God said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more. This great contradiction, the very thing that God should remember us for, because our sins, our iniquities, our transgression, that, that's robbing God. That's speaking against God. I will not have this, man, this God to reign over me. And yet when we become born again, everything gets flipped over and God remembers us for good because his son died on our behalf and put that righteousness to our account. And our old man, all of those things are, are removed, blotted out. God remembers that you are loved with an everlasting love. And he wrote your name in that book of life. And in that description of Malachi, those inner traits that characterize God's remnant according to the election of grace, we see this wonderful blend of divine sovereignty and human responsibility as God works out within us our salvation. We work it out with fear and trembling because it is God who is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And at this very moment, God remembers you. God remembers divine grace, divine mercy. And again, as proof that man's work, man's efforts do not contribute at all to God's book of remembrance, we call the thief on the cross, who had an entire life and legacy of being very, very bad. But on the cross, in those final few minutes, few hours, he said to the Lord Jesus, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So there, very quickly, we've had, first of all, a brief word about the context of God remembering. Secondly, we looked at Noah, Abraham, and Rachel. Thirdly, we we reminded ourselves from Malachi's day what it was that God marked out. And it was the genuineness of of heart religion. God remembers. It's it's amazing that God condescends um, and gives us this imagery that he remembers, that that he knows. I I always fall back on that, that verse of our Lord in Matthew 10 where he said, a sparrow does not fall to the ground without your heavenly father. Of how much more value are you than any sparrows? Now, when we share God's word, we always strive to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the sum and substance of our religion, is he not? 
And it's not very hard to think about the Lord Jesus Christ under this theme of God remembering. Nor is it a stretch to think that as God makes up his jewels, as all of God's thoughts and remembrances are collected, as books are opened, it's not hard to imagine or to remember that there is one, capital O, capital N, capital E, there is one who is going to be remembered above every other person, every other thing, and very eloquently and very spiritually, the Bible talks about this one when it says this. There also are many other things which he, that is Jesus, there are many other things which he did, the which, if they should be written down, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle John said, and I believe this literally, you can call me crazy, I believe this is is literally, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written about Jesus Christ. Now, God is infinite, right? So if we can go to, and infinity is a very large concept. And if we were to go to the edge of infinity, then we have an infinite more distance to go. And John is saying the world, this little finite globe, could not contain everything that should be written about Jesus Christ. The volumes, the books, the ledgers, the encyclopedias, the dictionaries, the history books, the theology books, the spiritual books, the books of his prayers, books about worshiping him, books about how he created the world, his miracles, his attributes, books about redemption, If there is, and I trust there is, brother and sister, if there is an entry in his book of life, in his book of remembrance, it has your name there. Even if it just has your initials, two or three letters, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be comforting? Wouldn't that be just just great? But afforded to Jesus Christ alone, the the most transcendent, the most glorious, the most exalted, infinite remembrance of him will be paramount in heaven. He will be remembered that he kept God's law perfectly and gloriously and with a heart desire to do God's will. He will be remembered for the tremendous work of ministry that he did in ushering in the new covenant in his blood. He will be remembered for the innumerable amount of righteous deeds and teaching and preaching, establishing the New Testament church, uh, dying on Calvary's cross to become the propitiation of our sins. He'll be remembered that he was a friend of publicans and sinners. Jesus Christ knew intrinsically as well that God remembered him, even while he was upon the earth. He knew when he was buried in that tomb that God would not leave his soul in hell, that God would would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. He knew that the path of life would be shown him, that he would be renewed back into that presence of, of fullness of joy at God's right hand. He'll be remembered that he was raised on the third day for our justification according to the power of God. 
that all authority and might and dominion was bequeathed upon him as the Son of God. He'll be remembered that the heathen were given to him for an inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession. He'll be remembered that he was given a name that is above every name. Named in heaven, named in earth, below the earth. He will be highly exalted and remembered. Now we're going to celebrate the Lord's table where we remember the Lord in his death. And if you are like me, sometimes in our mind we we go back to some familiar verses to remember him. Uh, Sometimes we struggle to try to have a fresh memory of what he did for us personally on our account. But in heaven, you will have a perfect memory, a perfect mind to take in everything that he has done. And in that highly exalted state that he will be in, you, written in that book of remembrance, remembered by God, will be able to fully comprehend And remember those things that God has done, both for you and just in a general way, what he has done for the Father, how he has ransomed, how he has redeemed a people unto himself. He will be afforded the highest station in heaven and will remember things, not that we have forgotten about him, we will remember new things about him. Because we will be so outfitted with that perfect mind where we will be able to, in fact, worship him like never before. God remembers. God remembers. God remembers you at this very moment. You know, there's many other verses that talks about that God is thinking about you. (laughs) Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think about you that's, that's not past context or present uh, or future. It's present tense. I know the thoughts that I'm thinking about you, God says. Thoughts to give you an expected end. Or, or the psalmist in Psalm 139. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. He says, I can't even count them. God remembers. God remembers. It, it's, it's a tremendous... I think, encouragement for the people of God to consider this great condescension of God himself, that he remembers the likes of us for those very simple things, faith and obedience, praying, going to him when we are in anguish of of soul or heart. Again, the the, the, the matter of genuine and true belief resident in our heart. Well, praise God. Praise to the Lord for this this tremendous God that we serve and the Savior that we're going to remember here in a minute as we come around the table of the Lord. He asks us to remember him. That should not be hard, should it? He remembers us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, as, as we struggle often to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, yet we magnify thy name that because you have given us a new heart. We do sense, Lord, in a very humble way that that uh, true heart religion is resident within our heart because you have put it there. You know, we want to remember, we want to speak often one to another, 
We want to fear the Lord. All those things, not simply because that will mark us out to be a remembered people, but Lord, that's the very nature of how you have made us now in Christ, being that new creation. Thank you for your word. Help us to hide thy word in our heart. Help us to, in thy light, see light. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.